There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 973. It is time for events of the corkboard. These are things, events, things that you made... Stuff you want to promote, people you want to celebrate, just send it on over to events at id10t.com and uh, I'll do my best to get to it. Like now, Jesse writes, my two sons and I create children's books slash animated videos. Two new children's books slash videos up are Farts Have Feelings 2, about farts and being nice, and Super Artie, Super Artie Helps a Friend with a Bully. Uh, three of the stories are read by my sons. One is read by comedian Brian Scalero. Visit heresarty.xyz or at heresarty on Facebook and Twitter. Also, I just want to say, side note, finally, someone tackling the fart issue. You know, full transparency on farts. Yes, physically they're transparent. But emotionally, what's going on in there? How complex are they? What makes them tick? Uh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I actually really want to hear that. I want to hear about farts having feelings. You know, maybe that's why some of them... Sometimes, sometimes when they leak out, they just sound like, aww. So maybe that's, they're just expressing empathy. Or they're feeling things that we just don't know. They're more than just the constituents elements that form the gaseous nature uh, in our stomachs that then force them out to go out on their own. I am really talking a long time about this. Uh, next, Dan writes... That's the, that's the segue you get, Dan. I'm so sorry. Dan writes, I'd like to promote my girlfriend, Crystal Sewing. Oh, that's very sweet. Visit Taco Puppy Productions on Instagram to see her work or message her. Her primary focus is Bakken bags, uh, which I believe are like, uh, um, you know, the, the, like the wooden practice swords. Like if you don't have a real katana, but you have like a practice, like a wooden practice sword that you, you slide into a, um, a bag, a case. Uh, I believe that's a Bakken bag. If I got that wrong, I apologize. But she makes those. And she can also custom sew anything else like blankets or bags. So visit Taco Puppy Productions. Again, events at ID10T.com. This episode is Lily Allen, who I am such a massive fan of her music. Um, and, uh, you know, I was trying not to... I was trying not to be too much of a fan uh, with her here because I have to say she was not only so incredibly cool but also really funny and 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 very insightful uh, and and has an incredible story um, which she talks a little bit about on the podcast but is in her book which you should buy it's called My Thoughts Exactly uh, it is available wherever books are sold and also um, she has a phenomenal album out called No Shame which came out this year in 2018 and if you ever get the chance to see her live you absolutely should um, her tour dates are up at lilyallenmusic.com 
com. But again, just she was such a joy to talk to, and um, and it was it was a real honor to have you know someone a musician that I'm a huge fan of just come over and uh, hang out at my house and talk about stuff. So um, I'm gonna stop talking now and present to you the ID10T podcast number nine seventy three with the amazing Lily Allen. Initiating ID10T protocol. Oh my god! I just moved a chair, and I feel like that was the week's cardio. Is that your exercise? That was done? it. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stretch after that one. That's like when I go on stage. If there's like steps up to the stage, I'm always like, I can't catch my breath in time for the first line of the song. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where you have to have like one of those really crazy writers where where it's like performer must have an automated. Oh lift my and- gosh! Do you know that actually Beck I heard had on his rider that. Um, he wouldn't go upstairs, so they had to ramp the st- all the stairs. How much of that do you do? You know what your rider says, or is it just? Oh, I my rider is really um, basic. It's literally just. Uh, it, it doesn't even. It, it's. It only even really works in England because the only two things that are on it are Monster Munch, which are some crisps, and What's It's, which you can only get in England. So and that's it. It's pretty pointless. Yeah. <laughs> But I think, like, I mean, that's the only things that I request. I requested that things do sort of like make their way into the dressing room that I haven't necessarily asked for. But have you ever showed up to a show and they go, "We're so sorry, we didn't get you blank," and you're like, "I never asked for that." They're like, "But it's in your writer." Although on my first album, I thought I was being really clever. I put on my um, writer five copies of my own album and a receipt (laughs) (laughs) every show (laughs) for purchase did they do it (laughs) yeah that's fantastic because also it's really handy because then i could like pre-sign stuff and then give it to fans on the way out you know and you still get the credit for the album sales exactly that's fantastic that's the main reason (laughs) that's fantastic god damn it that's genius thanks (laughs) (laughs) and they never questioned it they just did it Mm, yes that's on the rider Oh, that's fantastic. But that, that first album, too, was so huge. Yeah. It was almost like... Didn't need it then. Now I do. I'm going to put it back on. <laughs> you gotta, you're like, I, I guarantee you, any other musicians who just heard it like, fuck, why have we not been doing that this entire time? Do you tour like pretty nonstop or do you take... Because me- I know there are pretty big breaks in between albums. Yeah. Um, I mean, I t- I'm, a, I'm a bit of a sort of like anomaly in the sense that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a mother with two small children, which doesn't necessarily, is not really big in the pop world. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I have to break it up because I've got to be able to get back to them. Yeah. Because they're at school. They can't. Um, they can't come with. They can't come on the tour. Have they been on tour with you ever? Yeah, they did on the last one, the last American tour, because they were both small enough and they weren't at school yet. So that, yeah, we had like a family bus. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Do you like? Do you like the tour bus? Um, they were really boring drinking partners, though. You know, <laughs> the after show was not lit. Um, <laughs> you're, just, you're just playing quarters with milk. It's like bam. Okay, take another shot of the milk. I guess. 
Oh, yeah, it's coming out your nose. This guy's had enough. This guy's put him to bed. Exactly. Put him to bed. <laughs> I, did a, I did a bus tour once, just like a bus comedy tour. My, my wife and I went. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so much fun. And it just, we don't drink and we're not like party right. people. And it, the whole time we just couldn't sleep. Yeah. Like that, that's really all it was. Are you, did you do a bus tour for this, this um, the part of the American tour? Yeah, my, the whole thing's on a bus, yeah. Oh, wow. And you performed Five and a half weeks on a bus. How do you, by the end of it, are you ready to be done or do you feel like... Oh my gosh. By the end of the tour, like everyone, everyone on the tour has lost their mind by by week five, like for sure. In fact, a lot of people, crew and stuff, especially like, you know, like older guys that, you know, sort of married and with kids back home, like their wives will say you go somewhere else for a few days to decompress on your own because like it's such a weird environment like because you become like it's like you're coping you know like it's weird circumstances to live under it's like you know you don't see a kitchen right for five weeks you know and every your scenery changes every single day yeah you know you get up in the morning you want a nice coffee it's like you gotta go go out and find one you know you can't it's and and you're not you're in a town that you don't know so it's like right that's what i tend to do i get into bed after a show and i like go on um you know like food review websites or whatever for the next city and then i like mark out all the places i'm gonna go and try and get food the next day (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, you know, like what, especially sometimes you go to towns that are, have like particularly arty crowds and I'll go, I'm going to go to Starbucks. Like, they'll go, Starbucks? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of really good coffee that's looking. I go, yeah, don't, you know, like Starbucks is the constant that I have. Like when I tour, I know what it is every yeah. single time, yeah. you know, like I don't, do you have a constant? Is there anything that you have that is exactly the same? Um, hmm, no, I don't. No, I don't think there is. No. And that doesn't bother you? I just feel like No, I it need- does bother me oh. because I'm a real I'm really like a ho- I'm a ho- home person, you know. I I've chosen a really dumb job because um I have to spend so much time away from home and I really, you know, I love like interiors and I spend a lot of time like making my house a really pleasant place to be. Um so yeah, when I when I you know i'm planning a tour like this one which is you know good five and a half six weeks long like for a good like a week and a half i'm like packing like create like just checklists of things that i need to like make myself feel like i'm okay that everything's okay yeah just like you know dumb shit like scented candles and you know just nice towels and i swear i used to scoff at that stuff i'd walk by a candle store i'm like oh they're fucking candle and I, I sometimes I'll be on the road and I'm like I just I'll just leave it in the hotel room, but I yeah. just need like a nice, yeah. I just need like a really nice aromatherapy little, smell, little glow, yeah, yeah, just to, <laughs> just to center. Because there are you know, listen, there are some places, and you know, I I think there's nice things about all towns, but you know, there's sometimes it's like the the hotel has a smell to it. Yeah, that's that. There's also like weird places, you know, some places, especially in like the southern states and stuff, like you'll get out at Walmart. You know, with the look to you know buying some vegetables or something, and it's way easier to find a a semi-automatic weapon than it is like a banana, um, which I find quite odd. (laughs) Yep, this is America. You're in America. You're American now. You're American now. (laughs) Come on, Lily Allen. You're in America. (laughs) You just load the gun up with pearls of onions and you shoot them into the soup. (laughs) That's how Americans eat. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, is it? Do do you find that the crowds here are? I, I'm actually curious because I know you performed in Los Angeles. You performed in L.A. last night. Yeah, the phone day. Yeah. How do you like the? Are the L.A. crowds for music? good or are they i always think of la crowds as just being a bunch of other performers who are just watching and going hmm i could be up there you know like are they engaged are la crowds engaged i mean i i really like coming to la because it's a challenge you know i think it's it's like the entertainment capital of the world so it's not you know people go and watch movies here like they don't do anywhere else right you know? like it's a thing you know and i think it's the same with music and it's the same with art and it's like it's hard to impress la people because that's what they do well or, or at least it's that fake that they're not impressed like the shields go up a little bit or they all work in the business or they yeah, or I it's not know. i think there's so many different like variables for, for for a show to be good, you know, like what day of the week it is, for instance, is a big one. Like, right. You know, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays tend to be the better the better nights. But last night was amazing. I had a really good, everyone said that it was, was a one Monday, of the best yeah. shows that I've done in a long time. So and that was a Monday. Do you feel like, do you have a certain checklist in your head for a show where you go, oh, that was a great show? Or can a sh- can a, can the crowd be great, but you just didn't feel great about it? Or can it be the opposite? I I I often don't know like whether a show has been good or not. Like I like last night, I came off and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that was amazing!" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Cool, thanks." You know, <laughs> like I I because because I have these like in ear monitors in, so I right. don't really hear the crowd that much. Um, and I guess I don't really. S- you know the lights are shining on me they're not shining on them so i don't really see them you right know? so sometimes it's really difficult for me to gauge what what how how things are going down so you festivals don't... are different because festivals you know you're playing outside right and so you can see everything and that's like when people start to walk away <laughs> it's literally the worst thing in the world no no come back you're come like, back you're like i think this crowd is moving <laughs> <laughs> smaller than it was 10 minutes ago <laughs> well that's a, especially some of the like the mega festivals now where there's you know 10 things to do at any one given time no i think it's usually just because i play a bunch of songs that no one's ever heard before and they're really slow <laughs> but i love your music so much i i think a lot of your stuff is actually pretty upbeat but the lyrics are so fu- it's there's this there's this real kind of like gritty thing just nestled in this blanket of of butterflies yeah. and i fucking love it and i honestly think not to gush too much but i kind of think your cover of somewhere only we know is i think i like it better than the original really i really do that's interesting and i'm a big keen fan but i they're really, like my favorite band of all time i really love i really love your cover did you know them yeah, I did. I mean, I, when I say I'm the biggest, key, like, I'm one of my favorite bands, like, because the Keen are kind of like quite uncool in England, you know, people like if you're a Keen fan, you're a bit of a, you know, a dweeb. <laughs> um, so but I just think that they're like, well, Tim, particularly, who, you know, writes all of their songs is um, a, a genius, you know, he's like almost like ABBA like, I think, in his chord progressions and stuff. Yeah, he's, re- he's really amazing. I think the I actually like that there's such an unironic sincerity behind yeah. their music that there's no, I mean, I don't know. If you met him, like he, he is literally like the most hopeless man on earth. Like he's, he's so, 
he's so self-deprecating, but he 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 also gets himself into these just like awful situations the whole time. <laughs> He'll tell you these stories and you're just like, oh, Tim. <laughs> but maybe that's necessary to write the songs exactly. about those situations. Exactly. exactly. Do you think a performer has to be tortured to be a, a real artist or do you think that's a, that's a myth? Or is it just a coincidence that a lot of artists are can be tend towards tortured souls? Uh... I think that you know a lot of artists are narcissists and they love attention. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I think when th- when you're not getting the attention that you want and require, then things um, can go downhill pretty quickly. Right. Know? So yeah, I, mean, I think I think it does. I think it helps. You know, the re- rejection helps for creativity for sure for me anyway i mean we were sort of talking about that a little bit before the podcast but just sort of about we were talking about myspace right and it but that's just our that you know like that type of me 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 thing is just our culture now we were talking about like you said oh yeah i started when my when i started myspace was a thing yeah did you have a big myspace page oh my gosh i was the queen of myspace (laughs) who was was in your top eight that funny you should mention this and before the any of these people were signed they were in my top eight Adele. Oh my God. Florence and the Machine. Holy shit. Ellie Golding. Oh my God. I know. I mean, I was, I pretty much like discovered them bitches. <laughs> um, no. You should put together an album called Top Eight and yeah. you just do covers of all your friends. Sometimes I feel like I wish that my webs, like my landing page on my actual website just came up as my old MySpace page, like with the HTML code. That Why don't you do that? I think I'm going to do it, actually. I'm going to get someone to do it. That would be fantastic. I'll tell you what. Th- I'm just kicking an idea around here, but a really fun thing to do would be like some sort of a fan contest to yeah. be in your top eight. Yes. And then you could just sort of rotate, you know, like when you yeah. go to different towns, like people who are in your top eight that are yeah. fans. And then they can come to the meet and greets. They can come to all the, the meet. Do you do meet and greets for a thousand dollars each? No. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How much do you really want to be at Lily's top eight? <laughs> 10 k. PayPal. No. Um, yeah. No. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the MySpace page. Are you still? Pre- are you still pretty? Are you pretty active on social media now? I am. It's fun. actually this MySpace thing conversation is funny because this girl that I work with called Cora, who's like she's twenty five, she do- does all my like inst- you know takes pictures and stuff for me for Instagram, and um, she's really in- into it. You know, like she loves that whole platform. And I was with my manager yesterday and her, and we were you know talking about Instagram, and we we were like s- saying to her that like there is an inevitability that you know it's not going to be there forever like my like with myspace right you know? like the world evolves and we'll move on and just the, the look of like panic on her face was just like what do you <laughs> what do you mean and i was like you know it's it's gonna be not relevant one day yeah. i mean know? everything's like, temporary <laughs> yeah everything's temporary she was just like what what, what am I going to do with my life? Like, <laughs> it almost sounds like she took that harder than if you said to her, like, well, you know, someday we're all going to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I get totally. that. Someday Instagram's not going to be here. What? <laughs> what, what? What do you fucking, what do you mean? This is exactly the face that she had on. I was like, Cora. Well, those, those early days when MySpace, it was like, 
there was one there was one for like a second I think called My Tribe. Right. And then My Tribe like people were on it for a second, but for a half a second to get to Friendster. And then everyone bailed on Friendster pretty fast because MySpace had like an integrated yeah. player in it. And so all the performers, the musicians were like, oh, my God. And it was sort of that first, I guess, time outside like an email list where bands could really be connected directly to their fans. Yeah. And I think that's why Rupert Murdoch bought it and ran it into the ground, actually. <laughs> Maybe. I really do. I think that, um, you know, uh, culture and and the arts are the, um, you know enemy of capitalism and globalization Mm -hmm. really and if you're a smart business person then you know that's your competition right there is is arts and culture so yeah suddenly artists had an opportunity to connect with their you know their fans in a way that had never happened before and Rupert Murdoch did not like that you know he he's he wants the monopoly on that you know that's he that's what his tabloid newspapers are for for you to view people in the way that he and his people want you to view them so um yeah i really believe that he he bought it and ran into the ground on purpose because he thought it was a danger well i think uh, yeah i mean that's certainly very much possible and i also just think people are just so mercurial about Mm. what that like to to sustain that level of popularity that it had Mm. and then facebook just came along and started providing all these tools Mm. And I think it was at a period of time when platforms didn't know like, oh, we have to like dramatically change everything so often or people mm. are just going to go away. And MySpace, I, I think the other thing that kind of hurt MySpace was that it just got full of spam and trolls yeah. and they, it was really... Although that works for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be the fuel. I don't know. I honestly just, I, I just have this, I have this hope and a very desperate belief but I think it's pretty accurate that the world is not like there's sort of the digital world and the real world. And I feel like it, the digital world is not actually a representation of what's going on in, in the real world anymore. I think that's true if you have a, got a reference, a, a point of reference to before. Right. I think kids that have grown up with it, that's not the case. I think that they are. That is their reality. Well, I asked a friend of mine, I was like, what do you think? I said, do you think social media is going to be around forever? And he said, no, not in its current form. And I said, why? And he said, because I have an 11-year-old and that kid doesn't give a shit Mm. about any of it. He just watches like video game playthroughs on YouTube and that's it. He doesn't care about Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, none of it. And that's like the Gen Z. Mm. So I think the Gen Zs will rebel against the millennials and like not like see their parents obsessed with social media and mm. not be you know just like not be that into it yeah maybe i don't know i hope so i just my I, daughter actually said to me the other day she, i was like on my phone you know on twitter or instagram or something and she said oh mommy you know can you come and help me with something and i said yeah i'll, I'll come over there in five minutes while i'm just you know doing some work and she like looked, was sitting next to me and looked over my phone. She was like, oh, yeah, because you've, you've got to get people to like you, don't you? <laughs> oh, shit. How old is your daughter? Five. Now, when, <laughs> now, when, your, kid, like, when your kid says something yeah. like, chillingly insightful, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get mad, right? You're like, uh, go to your I mean, I'd never get mad anyway, but I was just like, um, basically, yeah. <laughs> so you understand how it works. I'm just gonna sit here trying to get people to like me. <laughs> you make your own dinner. No. Um. <laughs> Maybe you should try a little harder to get mommy to like you yeah. because comments like that aren't gonna fly in this house. 
yeah. I mean, it is, but it's, it's also, uh, but it, it, as a performer, it's so hard to really, quant- I mean, unless of course you have, you know, multi-platinum selling albums, but it's very, it can be very difficult to quantify, like, how am I doing? Mm. I don't know how I'm doing. And so I guess it's just, the attention factor is just a, is just a metric a real or fake metric, I don't know, to kind of just give you a sense of where you are? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I find there's so many things that are wrong with it. I think, like, the numbers stuff and the likes is the is is the real worry and the concern for me is that people... People aren't making informed decisions about things that they like anymore. They are waiting to see if other people like things before they will join in and right. and like them. Pack mentality. Yeah. And the and it's the internet is terrible for that, I think. What, how did you discover music when you were growing up? Um in what capacity like pop music or? yeah like how did you find because now i mean everything's like some recommendation engine like you probably all like this and you're like yeah, yeah i guess yeah, i yeah. kind of do but we did, obviously we didn't have our recommendation engines when when i was growing up was just like a, a dude that i knew you know it's like i didn't yeah i don't know um how did i discover music i mean i i would i listened to stuff on the way to school in the morning on the radio so i mean i guess like that for to, to start with and then um my dad, you know, was sort of like reasonably famous in the UK and used to hang out with lots of musicians. So I knew that, you know, dad's friends would be on the TV sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember going to this program called Top of the Pops to, oh, yeah, to a of recording course. of it and leaving with a bag of like the top 10 singles in, on CD. And that was like my first music that i owned and it was like mike and the mechanics looking back yes shoulder uh. and cotton eye joe i don't know if you remember, remember that cotton eye joe yes and i think there's two unlimited that uh, no 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 song and um yeah a bunch of other really bad stuff but and desiree Oh my god. You got to be brand. You got to be bold. You got to be wiser. Oh life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a collection. Do you miss those de- I mean, is it is, it's like when we were growing up it seems like you could just be on one show and then all of a sudden boom, career made. And now it just feels like you're just chasing audiences into the four cor- like the, you know, 50 corners of the internet to yeah. to reach people. Would you have would would you have if is this are you glad that you're a performer in this era or is there another era that you think like oh really- I'm really glad that I managed to capitalize on MySpace when in that I'm just very happy that I that I started when I did and that it took off from there because I think I got like the golden age of right of of it all and by the time MySpace was done you you had your audience yeah. by that point yeah. Uh, but I, I just I think about those days when it's like you can make one television appearance in the seventies because seventy percent of the country was watching one thing. Mm. It's like you appear on one thing and then all of a sudden, you know. But it's interesting though because this is the thing like with the, with data and stuff is that you know previously, um, you know before you could put or you know your music up or you know you could see how many plays something has you know somebody important might have come to a concert and seen you play and be and be like i was really affected by that performance i would like this person to you know 
endorse these sneakers, you know, or whatever right. it is. But they're now they'll come, they'll, or they won't even come at all. They'll just be like, "We need a girl to endorse some sneakers. Who's at the top of the char- the charts? Right. Like, who's going to give us the most traffic?" So right. it's not people aren't really making decisions based on the thing. Right. They're making decisions based on the figure. The figure, which is possibly fake like we don't even know i think it has 100 percent fake <laughs> we don't know any, i don't know i don't know i don't know what or i don't know what to believe anymore i don't believe ed sheeran is as successful as he is. <laughs> i think those numbers are fake as hell no. <laughs> Sorry. celebrity feud no i'm joking i'm being facetious but i do um no i think that these things are definitely manipulated for sure and do- and also you don't it doesn't like you know the guy that owns Warner Brothers is this guy called Lem Blavatnik right uh-huh. and Warners have like I think a fifty three percent like market share of uh-huh. of music worldwide he's also one of the biggest donors to the GOP mm-hmm. he's like um, just they've just named the um, Oxford University School of Government after him. He just like donated 150 million quid to them. They just named the new wing at the Tate Gallery after him. So he's buying up like politics and culture. And, you know, when people talk about like marketing, digital marketing budgets and stuff, what's to say that he isn't just like paying for it off the books to be done somewhere else? Do you know what I mean? Like sort of like troll, troll farms, but the opposite boosting things right um because i don't where we are politically at the moment where are the clash and the sex pistols and where's this where's the resistance it's like it's not there and i find that really really bizarre considering where we are i wonder if it's just that there are two because that's a that's a that's a really interesting point and i think about that a lot with comedy as well, where it's like, where are the massive comedy? When I was growing up, there was like a comedy album. And I think it's, I honestly think the great thing that the internet has done has allowed, it's given everyone a platform Mm. to get out their, whatever their art is. The downside to that is there's so much noise. Mm. And also everyone can go down such very specific rabbit holes mm. that they're not actually coming to, it's like there aren't large groups of people like it's sort of the nicheifying of our culture mm. so it's like you know this this band that in 1982 might have had a shit ton more followers now they just have like a solid 10,000 followers and yeah. this other one has 12,000 followers and this one has 40,000 but they're but everyone is getting their their very specific tastes met yeah. so that they're not all kind of coming together there's just there's not well, like Trump was Trump got in right because they fucked with Facebook and shit like that's uh, and that's you know how Brexit happened in in the UK it was like it you know it was trolls and it was as we were talking about earlier this sort of like n- negativity online and you sort of I I think that um, you know art and music and is really really powerful you know it's really powerful people connect to it in a way that they don't connect to other things and, right and also it's very rare to be able to attract large audiences of people in one place like that in itself is really really powerful right um and so yeah i do think that um you know people with things to say are 
being messed with digitally because they pose a threat. Well, I think it's, I, I hope that what happens is that we start making more efforts to interact with people in the real world or go see live events or mm. go, you know, cause it, the allure to just stay at home because you don't have, you don't really need to leave to do anything. Like mm. people br- p- almost deliver food into your fucking mouth mm. and you, you get every, every form of entertainment that you want, every video game, every, everything. But you know, you, and it's so easy to get lazy, but you do go to a really great show and you're like, fuck, why don't I do this all the time? All the time yeah. Like what an incredible experience or just, Interact? Do you do you force yourself to kind of go out and interact with other people in the real world, or are you pretty much a homebody? Mm, no, I'm pretty. I'm quite homey. I don't really go out. But you also have kids too, so you probably want to see your kids when you're home. Yeah, there's that. But that I just don't. I'm actually quite like socially quite quite awkward. I don't really. I don't like standing up either very much. <laughs> <laughs> You could just ride a rascal around. Yeah, around. I, I hate going to gigs. It's like, oh, I just want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a chair? Do you sit in a chair for some of your set? You're like, I'm no, sit down. I don't at all. No, I've, I'm all, my lower back really hurts when I come off stage because I usually in heels. So, oh my gosh, yes, yeah, so it's like an hour and forty minutes stomping around. And then you're just like, I'll just deal with it later. Yeah. You put it off until the end of the tour. <laughs> do you get sick when you come home? Do you have like, are you able to put it off? And then like, you do, do you get like a massive cold for like a week? When Weirdly, you get up I, I know I got sick just before. I think that my body like cleanses itself before a tour. I got really ill just before I came out to America. I had to do like the whole an- antibiotics and stuff. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. You just lose your mind by the end of a tour. A long one. What's the longest tour you've been on? Um, I don't know, actually. But long before I had kids, you know, 12 weeks, 13, um, you know, a long time. I mean, is it... Do you ever feel like you're a part of a machine that you can't step out of? Yes. Or, you do? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> so what do you do in those moments? Um, I don't know, really. I mean... I just sort of like take it as it comes, but I try not to, I don't really make plans, you know, I just sort of ride the wave. I'm not really, um, a planner. (laughs) Well, that's good though, because it, I used to think that planning way ahead was a good idea. And then I realized there's just too many things you can't account for. And you spend all this time stressing about things that probably won't happen. And then you're not present mm. then you're just missing whatever's going on because your brain is is somewhere else yeah exactly and also i just i change my mind all the time you know and i just don't really i don't really like having like solid plans because then you're restricted aren't you yeah i'm just and i'm not really that that kind of person you know quite often like i don't really like booking holidays things like that <laughs> like if i'll just know that i've got some time coming up in a couple of weeks and then the day before i'll book some flights in a hotel like i don't What's your perfect holiday? Is it like a, is it a summer vacation? Is it a winter vacation? Is it a, we stay in the hotel or is it like we run around and see um, sights? I, I really like snorkeling. Mm-hmm. Um, little known fact. Uh, <laughs> I very much enjoy snorkeling. So yeah, I mean, I go to places that have got good water for snorkeling. That's good. Mm-hmm. What's, what is, well, you know, actually well, like to... close to the UK, like Ibiza is really good, mm-hmm. actually. Um, Menorca is really good. 
Um, but then obviously, you know, Australia and New Zealand are amazing as well. There's lots of sharks in Australia. It's a bit scary. There are sharks there. Well, Australia, like, house spiders can kill you. So it's like, yeah. you, you really, the Australians are a real, st- they're a real, uh, they're a resilient stock. Hardy. Because everything in Australia can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard New Zealand is the opposite, where yeah. it's like, oh, there's no True. predators. Like it's, just, like, it's just much calmer there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But I wonder, did, did having kids change your perspective on stuff at all? What stuff? Just the world, just life, like just and and like the import the importance of things in life. Did it change your perspective on like not stressing about things anymore that didn't matter, or I don't know. Yeah, I think it does. You know, a few things like so you you your relationship with my own parents completely changed because I suddenly realized what it was like to have to rear humans you know um and the um things that come with that and uh so there was there was that you know i've became like more sort of forgiving i guess in that sense but then yeah i mean it's it completely changes everything because your life is no longer yours you know right belongs to these two small people that rely on you so yeah it's it's it changes but it's not it's not sacrificial like it's it's um it's great that's it. good we're gonna do it but just not yet okay but like we're a little ways away but it's but it's gonna happen good. and i'm and i'm excited about it and i used to kind of think like oh yeah when there's a kid around though then you're not gonna have your and it's like and then i thought about i don't do anything like what am yeah. i like when i'm home we just watch stuff on tv you know it's like we're not like usually we're doing puzzles you yeah. know and you see all the fucking toys around my house like why wouldn't i people wanna... always say as well like you know who kids are expensive but actually for me i now don't spend money on like handbags and high heel shoes because i don't go out right so they've kind of saved me money in that (laughs) sense (laughs) (laughs) because that's where all my money went before was like you know getting lit and like getting dressed up and you know makeup and getting my hair done and you know basically like going going out to sort of socialize and everything that came with that and now i have kids so i don't do any of that so. that i've never heard that before and it makes perfect sense but i've never heard anyone say the thing about kids is that they're so economical <laughs> <laughs> you save so much money <laughs> with kids get a couple two or three i'm telling you i'm telling you it's great <laughs> <laughs> Do either of them have like a performer gene that you can detect? Uh, yes, both of them do, but in diff- very different ways. Um, yeah, Marnie, my youngest, is like incredibly funny. Com- her comic timing is very strange and advanced for such a small child. Um, and the other one, Ethel, likes, um, you know, she's sort of like more... Like, likes dancing and singing and you know sort of that kind of stuff so one might be a comedian potentially although she's she thinks that she, well she says that she's going to be an engineer and build me an airplane that's but that could be a joke but is it for real it's for real oh my god she absolutely should build you an airplane yeah. so you don't have to go <laughs> yeah give mommy an airplane make mommy an airplane <laughs> I'll drive it, mummy. <laughs> I'll make it and drive it. Okay, babe. <laughs> I think it's funny to hear that, not funny, but it's just interesting because I, 
relate to you in the sense of like feeling socially awkward. Mm-hmm. Like when I go out and I, I, just going to an event, I never know what to say exactly. And I feel out of place. And I wonder, does everyone feel out of place? And I'm just, am I just like everyone else? Like do, is, is our common bond that everyone feels out of place or is that specific to just a small group of people? I don't know. I mean, I've no, I don't think, I, th- I don't think everyone feels like that because I know lots of people that are completely not like that, but I've, I've, I feel it. I, I also, I think that it's, it's a bit, you, I have a bit of a unique, you know, life and that, you know, where I come from, we're in the UK, pretty much everyone knows who I am. So I walk into a room and everyone already has a sort of preconceived idea about, of who, who I am and right. what I'm about. And that's the thing that I struggle with is like, I automatically feel like I have to sort of like not defend myself, but like, prove to people that i'm not the person that they think i am right so and, I, and that's kind of like a really boring task so i just rather not go out that, that, well that does make <laughs> sense though because you you don't i mean it to walk into a room full of people and have a sense and and just because you're an individual being you would want to say like whatever you think about me is probably not who i am mm. i am this and i just don't have the energy to go around a room of 300 people and go hey I, i'm lily here's who i really am yeah. and here's what i like and yeah. i like snorkeling you know it's like what are you, what are you supposed i to- make great omelets <laughs> um, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> killer omelets no um yeah i don't know i i just don't think i i wonder if if more people actually do feel that way inside. And and obviously it's different if, you know, it's like if people are drinking or they're, you know, like they, mm-hmm. they loosen up or lubricate or whatever. But I just, it's so like to walk into a giant room full of people and just go, yeah, everyone probably feels totally comfortable here. That seems so foreign to me because mm. it just, I don't know. Like, what are you, what are you supposed to say to someone in passing when you know your conversation's going to be 15 seconds long mm. but you, it's long enough that you have to say something yeah but not but you can't go too in depth mm. or that's weird this is making me feel awkward even just talking about it <laughs> shut your eyes <laughs> you're stop. snorkeling just in ibiza stop. you're snorkeling in ibiza <laughs> ibiza um yeah yeah it's yeah i I don't know i i I honestly and that's the thing that the internet was supposed to do was supposed to unite people and yet here i feel like it isolates people even further totally isolates people and also phones like you know you i see people and i do it myself you know when i walk into a room and i feel socially awkward i pull my phone out just because it gives you something to do yeah it makes me makes it look it's like a good defense mechanism it's like don't talk to me i'm busy and just someone comes up to you and you just, your, your phone just goes up in front of your face. Eh, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing on your phone most of the time? Do you, are you playing, are there at, what, what are you, are you playing games? No, I've, I've, I, um, you know, like f- respond to mess, d- you know, DMs from fans and stuff and I get a lot of them. So I'm that's nice. Constantly responding to people. That's really nice. Do you feel a particular, um, do you feel a responsibility that you have to be the one to do it? Because some people are like, oh, they'll have assistants or they'll have people like answer. Yeah, it's just lying, isn't it? It like, is. It is lying. Yeah. I'm not a good liar. <laughs> are you? Are you good at? I mean, when people are messaging you, are they just saying like, oh, I love your music? Or are they saying like, hey, I feel awkward too? I mean, like, are you? Are you kind of like helping all people? Di- all all different kinds of things. I mean, I you know I just wrote this book. Um, 
and you know I talk about I had a you know a stalker who broke into my house and it was you know really horrible experience lasted you know seven years but I mean not him being in the house obviously but um and uh, you know I wrote this really um you know whole chapter in my book that I've just you know put out is about this incident and um I got you know I got a message from a detective a female detective in the UK was like you know I just read your book and it's made me really think about the way that I'm going to you know deal with women and your you know your position that have to deal with you know being a victim of this type of crime so you know and then it will you know the next message will be like I love smile or you know right. um you know I don't know what sneakers are you wearing in that picture or um what's your favorite food well that's really i mean so like to to have gone through that experience and to still be open to connecting with fans is a i mean that's a pretty remarkable obstacle yeah but then also the thing is is that i mean i've i i i actually solved the crime myself like the police didn't the guy broke into my house and then um you know came into my bedroom but uh he also took a handbag on the way out but i just knew there was something odd about this interaction um and that it was sort of deeper than than it seemed uh i just had a sort of gut instinct about it but this guy had also been like sending me messages and letters and turning up at you know offices in my record company and so i'd get all these reports back that there was this guy around and um uh but he he took a handbag when he left the flat and um and so when i called the police they made it into a into a burglary oh my god case so it was only because of social media and me having you know all of his interactions with me and having seen them and been been above all of them that I was able to pinpoint who it was and get him arrested and yeah and how long into the how long into the interaction cuz you said it went on for 7 years was it apparent pretty quickly or did at a certain point No 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 point- so he so he he basically like would send these letters and stuff and all of that stuff like lasted for 7 years there was one time he turned he he thought that he had written a song that I wrote called the fear and that was his like beef. So he would send me these letters saying, you know, like you owe me money. That's my song. Blah blah blah. blah whatever. And you know, I've never met met this person. And he was obviously, you know, not right in the head. Like he was sort of writing spirals and stuff. And it was all quite scary. But he would, he, you know, he had this sort of language. And um, and I was playing a gig once, and uh, someone put up a sign, you know, saying I wrote the fear or whatever. So I was on stage. And I knew who he was, but I also knew that nobody else in the room had any idea that I knew that... He, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's a really weird and horrible experience. But I didn't see his face. I just saw the sign. But then, you know, the police came and they arrested him. But again, I didn't see... You know, why would you see... You know, I never saw him. Um until seven, you know, and this stuff kind of like he would be really active with his sort of contact and then, you know, sort of drop off for six months or, or a year. And then he'd sort of come back again just with his like, you know, letters or whatever. Um, until one night I woke up and he was, in my, you know, there was this guy in my bedroom. Shit. And um, 
and you know he was screaming at me and um but I could I knew that there was the way that he was talking to me was like he really knew me you know like it wasn't like it was a stranger it was like he uh there was perp- you know purpose for him to be there but it was very hard to articulate that to the police so when I, they were like so what happened and I'm like so a guy broke into my bedroom Blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, I think it was the next day or something that I called the police back and I said, look, you know, I think there's more to this because I really just felt like he was there to do something else, you know, like, um, and it was only because my boyfriend, you know, managed to sort of steer him out that, you know, something worse didn't happen. But, um, yeah, it was, it was fucking bizarre but yeah then so when they came back the police the next day to talk about the potential of this person you know it being sort of deeper than you know someone just wandering in off the street um was when i noticed that my handbag had been stolen and the air of like relief was palpable in the room it was like the police were like oh great it's a burglary case like now we can um, not put any more thought into this yeah exactly so um yeah, but then, like, a week after that happened, um, so I, like, had, you know, security people came and, like, moved into my house. I got, like, shipped the kids out to the countryside, like, I just didn't, because I knew this guy was around still. Right. And um, and then I was, I went to DJ at an event, and I came back, and the handbag was on the bonnet of my car with all of the contents burnt out and like my passport snipped into pieces jesus christ like almost uh like sim card like uh sd cards off my camera and stuff taken out like anyway so then i called the police obviously and i was like okay this is fucking serious (laughs) oh it's an arson case no it's it's not a burglary he's giving it back um no (laughs) so we're good great let's wrap this up um no then they you know arrested him a couple of days later but he's you know he's still in jail and but what's crazy is in the when i went you know i went to the court case when they interviewed him um she says uh you know what were you doing there he said i was going to put a knife through her face and she ends the interview there she doesn't question him anymore why what fuck knows <laughs> like it's literally she goes okay and that's where i'm gonna end the interview was that just enough that they needed to keep him in jail or? i don't know well you know, no i mean the thing with my like legal defensive cap on i would say that they failed in trying sure in protecting me absolutely and so they were covering that tracks they didn't want him to go down the route of saying that i was there to murder her because otherwise that would implicate them in in not having having been thorough and done the process i mean is it do you do you feel okay now i mean um yeah i mean i'm jumpy you know like i i get uh, i don't like um you know being like outside my house alone at night like you know getting out of the car and stuff like i like to be I like to sort of like walk in and out of places with people. I I like being alone when I'm in the in the place. <laughs> but, right. But yeah, walking around in public, I don't really like doing it on my own. Um, and if I hear like loud noises, like I get like um, sort of triggered. Yeah. Is there um is there a type of therapy for that, like EMDR or something that's good for like PTSD or? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've done all of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It was it was a, it was a crazy experience. 
did writing the book help you deal with some of it? Yeah, I mean, writing writing everything helps me deal with everything. That's literally my my form of coping is music or you know what words. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it 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 seems that's the other thing about social media too. I mean, it's, it it was good that you were able to use it to help you because you had all this stuff. But then the other side is like, if you've been on it since it began, it took us a long time to figure out like, oh, maybe I shouldn't t- tweet and post everywhere I go. Yeah. Because you just feel like, oh, it's whatever. Who cares? And then, you know, one person kind of ruins it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I should not be. Te- I, sh- I actually, this is why people who are known they probably need to lead sort of private lives <laughs> to protect as, as a form of protection. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's a shame because I didn't used to be like that. You know, I used to be quite a sociable person. And maybe not sociable, but like. I wasn't afraid of being out and about, which I, I kind of am now. Do you think it's something that you are working to overcome or do you just sort of feel like this is, you know, like I'm comfortable now? There are so many things about that whole experience that just fucked with me. Like, first of all, it was, you know, that. Um, then the investigation was pretty messed up. Um, they're kind of like being they're, they're being gaslit, you know, like knowing that something has happened, but everybody telling you that it's not right happening was extremely frustrating. And I think almost that was more damaging than anything that he did. You know, he's just a mentally ill person that, um, you know, developed a pretty unhealthy obsession. But the other people that were involved, like I've got I've, I'm angry. Did they? Did anyone apologize to you? No. Jeez. No. And you don't feel like it changed this system? It's changed the way that they do things now, or is it- they said they did. I mean, I went public with it because um, that was the other thing that was quite awkward about the whole situation is that you know every sort of intimate detail of my life like managed to find its way into the tabloid newspapers. So the idea that this thing that they didn't know about it and didn't want to write about it was insane. And so I just I felt like the police and the press were like working in cahoots with each other to kind of keep it out of the the tabloids didn't want me to be portrayed as a victim and the police didn't want the trouble of having to deal with you know the neglectfulness. So it worked out for both of them to just kind of try and bury it. But yeah, so I teamed up with like a stalking charity. Um just to kind of get it out there, but also some crazy statistics. Like I'm going to sort of like half make one up because I can't remember it, but it was like, you know, 80% or something of women that are murdered have reported their murderers as being their stalkers. Oh my God. Which is just crazy. Like, and do you think those women ever get the credit for solving the crimes of their own murders? No. no. The police say we've solved this crime. It's like, yeah, because she fucking reported the guy to you. <laughs> like, do you, do no one talks about that stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge issue. And I think that that was probably another reason that the police didn't want it, you know, it to blow up and become a thing because they don't want this issue highlighted because it's massive. And do you think that, um, are people reaching out to you online and saying, you know, like I, I, I have a stalker or someone's stalking me? Like, yeah. do you, so what type of advice are you giving people having been through it, having survived it? Um, you know, just to reiterate exactly um, what's going on to people that care about you, you know, like your family or 
and and the police and make sure that I mean I always said you know every time that you make a report to the police make sure that you get a copy of the reports anything that you give to them as evidence so like letters or anything make sure you make your own copies of it because the police destroyed all of the evidence that mm-hmm. I'd given them over that seven years. Everything that he ever sent to me, I gave to the police and it, it all, it was all gone. That's insane. Yeah. So keep copies of everything. And also I, I would imagine trust your gut. I would yeah. imagine your gut, your body is designed to give you a response when something isn't right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what happened with that situation was that, you know, he, when he was out, I was like, there's more to this, you know, like, an instinct it was in it was very very basic instinct that told me that that i was in danger and it wasn't gone you know that was the key thing did you feel any relief once he was put away or yeah i did i mean i you know i definitely felt like you know safer walking around and stuff but um you know i i care about the the bigger issue which is that this no, I'm a very privileged white woman that's successful and I had money to get lawyers to be able to get justice for, for myself. But there are lots of people that go through really, really similar situations that don't. So that became my focus is trying to, you know, use my experience for, for good. To help other people. Well, I think that's the best anyone can do. And I think that's a phenomenal way. And I'm sure it's not an easy way, but it's it, it's 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 nice that you do that because it i think it's probably really hard to like you said to prove to an authority like yeah. no this is real i'm really being stalked this yeah. person oh so they showed up a couple no it's not you know well also funny enough the other thing which was funny or well, not funny but um i uh, i I felt I just split up with my husband when it happened, and I fe- and I really felt like if my husband had been there and he had been communicating with the police, that it would have been dealt with in a completely different way because I was I'm his property. Does that make any sense? Like if he if he had called up and reported it as you know somebody's stalking my wife, right? They would have dealt with it very differently. To I think I'm being stalked. Um, and funnily enough, when I, I went to like a dinner party, like a few months later and was talking about the experience, um, around the table with a bunch of people and, um, you know, some, there were like a few women there were like, Oh, you know, I had a similar experience. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The police are useless. Police are useless. Two men were like, I had a stalker. I'm reported. They couldn't have like dealt with it better. Like, you know, they were really, really helpful. And I was just like, Okay, so if you're a policeman and the guy calls you up and says, there's this crazy woman stalking me, they take it seriously. <laughs> but if it's a woman that calls up and says, there's a guy following me, it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't wear so much makeup or wear a short skirt, you know? That's that's the attitude, I think. Well, I, I hope that you continue to talk I about will. this thing to well just to, just to get just, just to create awareness around it so that people so that people know that especially it's so easy to get to people and mm. track them now because most people just don't think about oh post my location oh here's where i go every day oh look i go here for lattes every day it's like we're basically just giving a roadmap yeah. to anyone who has bad, bad intentions but i think it's amazing that you wrote about it and amazing that you communicate with people to to 
sort through it. Yeah. Would you tell me the name of the book, please? And I'm sorry that I it's, don't know. I'll do better than that. <gasps> do you have a copy for me? It's not even out until December, and you can have it. Oh my gosh, Lily Allen, thank you so much. My pleasure. It's called mm. My Thoughts Exactly. This is fantastic, and it comes out in December. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's so nice of you to come and be here. Is there anything else? What are you joyful about? Like, what makes you happy? What's your happy place? Oh, um, uh, money. (laughs) 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 Seriously. Um, I'm going to buy MySpace and I'm going to run it into the ground. (laughs) What makes me really happy? Food. I like food a lot. Yeah. What is there? Is what? What's your what's your kind of favorite thing right now? Mm, pizza. You like pizza? Mm. Is there a good pizza place in Los Angeles? I don't know. I'm going to a place called Osteria Mamas. Um, yes, that tonight. is very good. So maybe there. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I, like I said, every year I make a pl- I start a new playlist on my birthday, and it's named that age, right? So that I have like a musical diary of songs that I listen to with frequency for the last. 15 years. Oh, wow. You're uh, twice on this year. Hey, yeah. That's yeah. So, great. so it's, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thanks, Lily Allen. All right, bye. Enjoy your pizza. Enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your pizza. Someone to rely on
your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.